Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Pramack. On today's show, Elon Musk pulls the plug on Tesla's buyout, and the last unicorn holdout gives up. But first, Bitcoin, boom or bust. That's the title of a new CNBC documentary premiering tonight, hosted by Melissa Lee, who will chat within a couple minutes. And I hate to spoil things, but here's one big takeaway. The most consequential battle of Bitcoin isn't between hackers and cybersecurity engineers or advocates of old money and new money or between Bitcoin and altcoins. No, it's probably between regulators and themselves. The real novelty of Bitcoin and blockchain in general is this idea of decentralization or that there's not an organization or government that controls everything, like a Federal Reserve for money or a Google for web searches. And there are still plenty of crypto anarchists out there who believe this is a worthy end in itself and that crypto markets can, by design, self-regulate. But it feels like a larger group recognizes that at least some government oversight is required, or at least inevitable, probably because self-regulation hasn't always worked out, particularly when you look at some thefts of crypto assets or that whole rash of scammy ICOs, initial coin offerings, that were basically just digital snake oil. So the big question now is what regulators will do and when. Remember, Bitcoin turns 10 years old next year, but the SEC still hasn't even officially decided if it's a security or a currency or something else, which is a pretty fundamental decision to make. The SEC's chairman recently said he thinks it's a currency, but that was just a TV interview, not an official statement. And we've seen the same in other federal agencies. It is impossible for this industry or any really to properly mature with such uncertainty hanging over its head. And the bottom line is it's been long enough. Tech always goes faster than regulation, but this has been kind of like watching a cheetah race a snail. We can't really know if Bitcoin will be a boom, bust, or something in between until we can all agree on some basic rules of the road. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on all this with CNBC anchor Melissa Lee. But first, this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by CNBC's Melissa Lee, who tonight premieres a documentary called Bitcoin, Boom or Bust. So, Melissa, let's start with this. Give me the best boom case argument and the best bust case argument here. I think the boom case is the promise of the cryptocurrency, and that would be used as a method of transaction. So if you take a look at emerging markets, for instance, the U.S., it's not necessarily the greatest environment for the adoption of Bitcoin because we have so many payment methods. You can go into Starbucks and use Apple Pay, for instance, to show your phone and you're done paying for your latte. But in other places, there are very few options for transactions, whether it be for payment or for transmission of money across borders. So in Africa, we visited South Africa, where so many of its residents come from other parts of Africa. They send money back home, and they've got a couple of options. They pay a 10% fee to their bank, or they send money physically on a bus to that country, which obviously is not secure either. In use cases like that, that Bitcoin and cryptocurrency really hold a lot of promise. And so that seems like one of the best examples of how cryptocurrency could actually be used. So what's the best bust case? The best bust case is the government comes in. And I think that's the thing that the whole crypto universe is waiting for. How exactly is the SEC going to regulate Bitcoin? Are they going to put some more onerous rules on exchanges that will make it more difficult? Could there be a transaction tax when it comes to cryptocurrency transactions? All these things have yet to be determined. And so there's a lot of wood to be chopped in terms of figuring out what the regulatory environment is here. So that is what everyone is waiting for. And that could definitely cause a hammer to drop on the Bitcoin bull case. It's been 
been almost 10 years, I guess nine years now since Bitcoin was first introduced, maybe say six years since we started talking about it constantly. Are you surprised that regulators, I mean, they're always behind tech, but they seem so far behind on this, at least making some pretty basic decisions. Are you surprised and do you expect that to happen soon? I would expect it to happen soon. I mean, I'm not surprised at all. Think about the first time that you or I actually started talking about Bitcoin or writing about Bitcoin on a regular or near regular basis. That probably didn't happen until like last year. And that's when we really started to see the surge in interest when it comes to the retail investor. So typically regulators don't step in until there is a surge in retail average investor activity in any one given asset class. And that is certainly true for Bitcoin. The minute the number of Coinbase accounts exceeded the number of Charles Schwab accounts, that really signaled to regulators, this is something that the average Joe investor could possibly get burned by. And so this is something that we have to monitor. I think since that period of time, since you know the, the hype and the high back in December, we've really seen the SEC, the CFTC step up in terms of their desire to understand Bitcoin, their desire to understand Bitcoin as a new and emerging asset class. And you have to give them props also for not coming down too quickly with too many regulations and to really taking the slower approach because the worst thing that could happen in terms of the development of the technology is that the U.S. government comes down and comes down swiftly and, and really cracks the whip because that could drive the innovation overseas to other countries and the U.S. could really miss out on some burgeoning new technology. It's interesting when you say that, and I come to it from a kind of di- on the other side of it, but it sounds like your outlook on it from reporting on it more on the boom side of things. Am I wrong? When I think of the people, I, I watched the a screen of the documentary. That's a lot of the arguments being made by the boom side people. No, I think that if you watch the documentary in its whole, we really take a look at both sides of it. I don't come down on either side. I try and play. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because reporting on Bitcoin or doing anything related to Bitcoin is sort of like a Rorschach test. And I'm sure you're aware. Absolutely. Yeah. People will see what they want to see in the clips or in how you talk about or the stories that you write. If they're a bull, you're not nearly bullish enough for them. And if they're a bear, you're way too bullish. But we do highlight the scams that are going on in the ICO market. We do highlight the potential of market manipulations, which is one of the reasons why the SEC initially rejected nine applications for Bitcoin ETFs. They're concerned about the possibility of price manipulation in the cryptocurrency market. So we highlight all of these negative things, but also tell the story of, of what the bull case, what the bullish people see in Bitcoin. And that is the promise of a more stable currency for other parts of the world. It is a promise of the blockchain technology when it comes to corporations trying to save money and manage potentially a supply chain a little bit better. So we hope that it's going to be educational and fun in the process. <laughs> Let me ask you, you talked about that Roshark test and you've already been on Twitter this morning dealing with, with the crypto folks on Twitter over your use in a clip of HODL, H-O-D-L, which in the trailer clip you describe as hold on for dear life. Crypto folks have been complaining mercilessly and endlessly that it was a typo and she doesn't understand. So Melissa, what happened here? Give me your answer to them. I think that there is no one answer to what the origin is. I have heard many times a story about how it originated from a typo, but it became hold on for dear life in that it became the sort of notion that even when crypto sells off, and we've seen so many really steep sell-offs in crypto, I mean, 20,000 to where we are right now, 6,700 or, or whatnot, that's not the steepest drop by far. And yet the crypto believers will say hold. And so it's that strong notion of hold that HODL has come to mean. The derivation of the word, I've heard the typo story. That could very well be true. I'm not sure. We're not trying to give you the origin of the term, but just tell you what it means when you're dealing with in the crypto universe and you come across the word HODL. That's what it means. Well, look, I look forward to a follow-up documentary simply on the origin of the term. Three hours, a deep dive. It will be awful. <laughs> and not nearly can... enough time for that. <laughs> Thank you very much to Melissa Lee of CNBC. Her documentary, Bitcoin Boomer Bust, premieres tonight. My final two after this. 
Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique Smart Brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Elon Musk, who on Friday night pulled the plug on his efforts to take Tesla private basically saying it was way more complicated than he had originally realized. So maybe better late than never on that, and many will be happy that Tesla can again focus on making cars. But this doesn't put an end to Musk or Tesla's legal problems, which really might just be beginning. So first, the SEC continues to investigate Musk's tweet from earlier this month that he had, quote, funding secured for a Tesla takeover, when it is now crystal clear that he didn't. Second, a lot of shareholders are also pissed off, both the shorts who got squeezed at the time because the price of the stock went up, and the longs who are under pressure now because the stock price has gone down. The argument there is stock price manipulation. And then finally, there was Musk's final unforced error. In his blog post announcing that Tesla would remain public, he said the final decision was made during a board meeting on Thursday. But the actual blog post didn't come out until after market close on Friday. Now, that one's not just about a stray, ambient-fueled tweet. It's about a much broader breakdown in corporate governance at Tesla. And finally, Warren Buffett reportedly is considering an investment in Paytm, an Indian digital payments company that's already raised billions from investors like SoftBank and Alibaba. It would be a relatively small deal in Buffett terms, maybe $350 million or so for up to a 4% stake, but it's a big deal in the sense of how Buffett's historically been pretty lukewarm on new tech companies and downright dismissive of ones that lose lots of money, like Paytm reportedly does. So first it was big hedge funds that invested in money-losing tech unicorns, then came sovereign wealth funds, then came mutual funds, and now it's really the final holdout, the Oracle himself. Maybe he'll buy Tesla next. And we're done. Big thanks for listening, whether on Apple, Radio.com, or other platforms. And to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, please be sure to follow us all day at Axios.com and sign up for my pro rata newsletter at signup.axios.com. Have a great national Just Because Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another pro rata podcast. Thank you.